Have you ever seen like a strong audio file? No, you have not. Um, I guess you're not wrong. Like, when was the last time you saw like someone who's really obsessed with how great vinyl is in a gym? Never. That's when. I feel like there are people that are obsessed with vinyl that go to the gym. Nope. It's actually like as soon as you walk into a gym, you instantly hate vinyl. Oh, okay. Huh, interesting. Well, yeah, I guess we learn something new every day. Welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm hanging in there. Today, we are finishing up the conversation that we did not get to have in the last episode because we got cut short because Alice had to leave. But we have a lot of things that happened in that episode that we need to talk about. Holy hell, yes we do. So where do you want to start? Okay, let's start with Anthe. Okay, yeah, Anthe uh, does a lot in this episode, kind of, or at least lots of things happen that involve Anthe. Like, okay, let's start with her and Kozue's slash Mickey's dad. Yeah, I I don't remember anything about that from when I watched this before, and it's such a quick moment. Like, I don't know, like, are they gonna... Is that going to continue to be a thing? Like, I have no idea. I would genuinely, I, I don't know. It's so bizarre. Like, what is there it is, mean? I found it. it. Took me a second to find it again in, in the actual video. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, and she's dressed, and she's dressed as she is in dueling. Yeah, she's wearing her rosebride dress. You know, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's significant? That she's wearing the rosebride dress? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe? Because it occurs to me that, okay, the only time really we see her dressed like this is when some kind of like either a duel or some sort of um i mean basically this is only when there are machinations afoot you know what i'm talking about like this is when this is this is what she wears to duels and it occurred to me just out of the blue like isn't this really kind of another just another like another sort of step in a duel like what do you mean I mean, from the very beginning, it's been really obvious that end of the world, whoever that is, is whoever or whoever's like if there's more than the one, like that basically everyone is being manipulated. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty obvious from the very beginning. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, and especially in this episode, we really get them talking about how they're sick of it. They're fine. Like the student council is finally getting sick of it, mm-hmm. which took them long enough. Especially Sayonji. Yeah. Who's really sort of just like opened his eyes, at least until he has that wild card ride. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of ways, their dueling was really sort of something more of a, like, I kind of have started to see this whole first two arcs as nothing more than one big chess game. A duel, if you, if you follow me. Yeah. It's a, it's a duel. Like, with End of the World is, this is all footwork. All the duels were footworks and feints, probing defenses. In a lot of ways, I, I see them as kind of probing Uthana's defenses. Hmm, interesting. These are all things that have happened in order to get to Uthana and the Rosebride. Or really more just Uthana, because now we have the, if, if that's true, then this seems to suggest that really even what Anthe does has also been all footwork and feints and lunges and all sword work in this 
two-arc-long duel between End of the World and Uthna. I think we could reasonably deduce in this episode who End of the World is. Yeah. And of course, I have known this from the beginning, so I don't want to like, I don't well, want to just like blurt it out, can I just blurt and, it out? and step step out with that. Can, but can you certainly can do that. I mean, I know I've, I've been like a hundred percent positive that Akio is the end of the world for I mean, like duh, of ten course. episodes. Yeah, and even before that, like, who else was it going to be? I wasn't sure if we were we were saying that yet, but we're definitely saying it. Okay, we, we've 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 uncovered the silence, the secrets, and all that. Well, I didn't want to say it because, of course, I already knew. I just wanted to make sure that you knew before I just like said it. Did you just do a like a? I, I knew, but I was test. I was testing you. Did you really just do it? I was testing you. No, because I told you I knew this from having watched it before. <laughs> I was testing to make sure that you knew so that I didn't spoil it for you if you didn't okay. catch that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious. But, yeah, um, I mean, it's been obvious, but, you know. And especially now that they live in the same place, it's really easy to see literally everything is ha- that happens now. Like, before it was sort of at a distance, but now it's right up close and personal. Like, mm-hmm. well, I get the feeling that Akio has, the first arc is very much Akio's sort of faints. That's him sort of, the sort of, if you if you watch a duel, sort of there's a lot of preliminary f- footwork mm-hmm. as these two duelists kind of, approach each other are trying to do so in a way that maximizes their tactical advantage in the moment they're trying not to leave themselves open but they're also trying to see if they can sort of like how receptive the other person's going to be to certain things like if i'm if i come out of nowhere like what is the reaction i'm going to get you know yeah and that whole first arc after this scene feels like that was just footwork that was akio like not even trying, just sort of like poking at at Anthony. I mean, sorry, at Utsuna, trying to get see what she does. And now he, that he kind of learned, so we had the second arc where he sets up this whole thing in this maybe alternate reality. I don't know. It's weird, and it is all just. And and now that he has a better idea, now he's going to actually start fainting. Like, and by that I mean sort of attacks that are not actually attacks. Mm-hmm. For those who are listening and may not know that term, because I'm not sure how common knowledge that is. I only know it because of a Pokemon game. There you go. Well, actually, it's different from that. A feint, and, and when you're talking about dueling and swordsmanship and whatever, is you attack, but it's a trick. It's a false attack. Yeah, no, that's the context that it was used in this particular oh, okay. game. It was a... It was in like a mini game. You could choose to either oh. do your action or you could pretend to do the action to throw off other players. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the idea. You were trying to throw somebody off. Yeah. Either you're doing it as sort of a like probing the defenses to keep someone on their toes and keep them from establishing a rhythm, which is kind of what he's doing at first, I feel like. But eventually, Uthana settles into a rhythm. The show and the character of there's always going to be another duel. And they happen in pretty predictable ways. Yeah. Um, we have a whole arc where she gets every time it comes the same way on the same kind of note paper and all that kind of stuff. So at least, so instead of trying to keep Utena from establishing a rhythm, it seems more like what he's really trying to do is get her used to a rhythm. 
so that he could switch it up on her. Exactly. Now we are starting to switch it up. The first one being the sword, an episode or two before this, when the sword just like disappears. Mm -hmm. That is the first new, really seriously new development we've had in regards to the game, if you will. And I don't know, like basically since the first arc. Yeah, I mean, other than, like, superficial differences, like, with, you know, like, in the Black Rose arc, we had all the desks, and the yeah. this arc, we now have all the cars and stuff. Aside from these superficial aspects of the dueling, like, the dueling arena and the dueling as its own thing, like, yeah, this is the first time that we've had, like, a switch up in terms of, like, how the duels work. And in a lot of ways, there's a lot of stuff in, in Utena which almost breaks one suspension of disbelief because you're like, come on, somebody has to question this. Yeah, we're always yelling about these children not asking any questions. Right? The sword is actually the one thing where I'm like, yeah, actually, her not questioning that is 100% believable. The pattern has been established. We know, now know, that like at least some of the time, Anthe was, is helping Akio work behind the scenes at least once or twice. Oh, yeah, we can... We could definitely reasonably assume that. We don't know what to what degree she has been helping mm -hmm. him, but... We don't know exactly what he's done either. Yeah, that's true. But it's certainly clear at this point that there is more to Anthe than we thought previously, even after learning things that changed our view of her. Yeah, and like, all that to say, the sword, of course she doesn't question the fact that the sword now comes from her. You think she would, except that... This pattern has been established so long. It makes sense that she doesn't question the sword because after all this stuff, after that weird hiccup, you want some normalcy. And the sword works, doesn't it? Yeah. So, like, it, the pattern had a hiccup and then now it's back to normal. So, Akio has proved, Akio and Anthony have, have proven that Utena is locked in. She is what Stephen King in Shawshank Redemption calls an institutional institutionalized. They had the whole institution institutional man where like you're stuck in the pattern of being in jail. That is what she is now. She is stuck in the pattern. Even when it messes up, she just goes straight back to it. It's kind of like the frog thing. Yeah, it's exactly like the frog thing. Uh, listeners, so that we don't just leave that as me saying something something vague like the frog thing a lot of you probably have already heard of this before but it, it's uh house i feel like you could probably explain it better it's the thing with the frog where you like you slowly raise the temperature mm -hmm. and the frog doesn't notice over time and then it kills it yeah frogs are frogs are dumb as hell and if you just turn it if you put a frog in a pot and you turn the temperature on on the stove all the way up to the top the frog will jump out because it's just smart enough to realize that this is a bad idea. But if you, like, gradually increase the temperature a little bit over time, the frog is too dumb to realize that it's getting too hot until it's already too hot. Yeah, it feels like as the series goes on, the duels and the circumstances surrounding the duels keep getting more and more intense. But it's doing so in a gradual enough fashion that... Yeah. Utena doesn't necessarily seem to be realizing that that's what's going on. Or at least as far if she has realized that things are getting more and more intense, she hasn't really said it yet. It's hard to tell what Utena's thinking a lot of the time because she doesn't always say what she's thinking. Yeah, and sometimes... And sometimes she just doesn't react at all. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like a lot of her reactions are being subsumed into her focus on Anthe. yeah. That's true. Like, this kind of goes back. I know we're, we're talking Anthony to death but here, but 
this kind of goes back to well, this she scene. She is one of the two main characters, so. Yeah. Like, this scene with her and Cosway's dad really drops home the fact, like, early on you said Anthony's a witch. Yeah. That sort of, like, I took that as archetypal and really thought about that archetype. And, yeah, this kind of builds into that where, like, yeah, that's exactly what she is. She now has Utena around her finger. One can almost say that she has Utena under her spell. And yeah. I usually would have meant that as sort of a, like, haha, it's a joke. But, like, now I'm almost wondering if it's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, even though I have made reference to on multiple occasions that, like, Anthe has more going on than she is letting us realize, I never really considered the idea that Utena was under her spell, too. Like, maybe, I guess, I don't know, it seems kind of like a thing that could be obvious but like at the same time i don't know like it also seemed equally possible that utina just was sort of along for the ride even without like needing to be uh specifically manipulated by anthe i don't know like it's hard to say yeah it's kind of hard to say i mean that is kind of our constant refrain yeah i mean that's sort of the whole show really it's hard to say who can never be sure? Yeah, it's just a question mark. Okay, we have another thing to talk about. Goes away. We have a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> I think we were actually talking um, yesterday. Yes. Which, um, right before we left to go make my hair wine dark red is Homer C. It's beautiful. It is, actually. I really do enjoy it. Listeners, I'll have to post the picture that Alice and I took after she got her hair done because it's super cute. But anyway. Yes, anyway, besides my absolutely stunning locks, um, Kozaway. Mm-hmm. We were talking briefly about the fact that, like, Kozaway has this weird sexual vibe I, almost all the time. Yeah, pretty much every person that she comes in contact with, like, she's, like, trying to get all up on for various and reasons. And I don't know how to feel about that. That even carries over into the Sega Saturn game. This is really? Yeah, there's, you remember I told you that there's the Utena analog character that has like the long mint green hair. She mm-hmm. and Kozue are implied to have like, a, like are implied at one point to be going to find somewhere to hook up. And that's the only time I saw Kozaway in the playthrough of the game that I was watching. It's okay. I'm really, I'm I'm trying not to picture that for a moment. So I I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know what to make of it. Because like in this episode, we specifically have Kozaway kind of basically saying that she's like a wild animal, which can mean a bunch of things. That's a loaded statement. Oh, yeah. But with Kozaway, like, I mean, you could interpret this as sort of like she's a beast of, she's a slave to her passions, hmm. which would fit into this whole, like, Kozaway just, like, like gets, is get up on all, on all up on everybody she meets. But I really feel like it's, I really more interpret that as being that Kozaway has a, a real disconnect from others. And that a lot of her behavior is not so much like, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that isn't problematic, but like it's less actually sexual and more that, or flirtatious or whatever you want to do. And and more just that like, sometimes I feel like Kozaway really legitimately does not understand what she is doing. Like the deeper implications of what she's doing. Like those are, not that she's not smart enough, but those are just not what her mind is on. Does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like we could 
pretty definitively say that there seem to be a lot of instances where Kozue uses her sexuality as a form of manipulation of power in her favor. Mm-hmm. Like, she's used yeah. it to make people jealous. She's used it to flaunt her ability to control people to, like, her friends. Because there was... Oh, wait, no, I yeah. think that was Shiori. In a... No, maybe it was Kozue. I don't remember. Oh, gosh. No, I don't remember because they, okay. they do kind of blend together in my head. Abandoning that train. But she used it to make Mickey jealous. And even in this episode, she kind of explicitly does that. And I use yeah. explicitly in both senses of the word because it gets super gay. And we are going to talk about that, too. So if Yeah, because we talked about that a lot last night. And then Sound Guy Jimmy told us to save it for the podcast. So now that's what we're doing, sound guy Jimmy. <laughs> like, okay, here's the thing. And, and here's one takeaway I think we can both be 100% behind. Kozue mm-hmm. is a pretty good example of how the sensual and Utana is all about domination and control. Oh, absolutely. Like 110%. I mean, you can use lots of different characters, but Kozue is, our, is one of our examples. And since we're talking about her, there you go. Like, they go about it in slightly different ways, and there's a slightly different flavor to all of them, but, like, there are multiple characters who use some kind of physical temptation in order to control people. Well, yeah, I mean, Toga does that, too. Yeah, Toga does it, too, definitely. But I don't know what to make of it. I know that it kind of makes me uncomfortable because it should make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it's sort of the point, I think. Yeah. But it's also, I guess it's also kind of interesting to see how you have multiple characters who do this kind of thing and they all feel different. Does that make sense? Yeah, even though they're all using like sensuality or sexuality or physical temptation or like whatever you want to call it, even though they're all using this to try to get advantage in whatever situation they're in like they all go about it very differently almost in the same way that they all have different dueling styles actually that's a good that that is a good um point actually thank you i thought of it while i was saying it and i felt really proud of myself nice the um you know uh, here here's a question we we can see as far as i know at this point in time toga's op- modus operandi is born out of just sheer will to power yeah akio's as far as i know of at this moment is the same kozue feels more like a reaction kozue yeah like when akio and toga are trying to use their influence to vie for power it feels I don't know, like it feels more deliberate whereas with Kozue it sort of seems like and I mean this may just be like the fact that I hate Akio and Toga and I don't hate Kozue uh, coloring my perception of it but it feels like she's definitely reacting yeah that's, that's the word that you used reacting to the way other people are trying to kind of exert power over her a little bit or reacting to a world in which people try to exert power in this way. In a lot of ways, and Kozaway's actions feel more like the kind of thing, it, it feels more like a reaction to someone it would have to, like, I want, not trauma so much as, it feels like the evolution, the inevitable outcome of a kid who is lonely. Yeah. You don't want to ever feel like that again. So you, it's it's the Ender Wiggins school of 
childhood problem solving. You have a problem, so you make sure it never happens again by any means necessary. Like, she has no control, and her parents left for one reason or another, and Mickey eventually grows a little apart from her as he kind of becomes his own person. She's alone, so she determines never to be that way in any form or fashion if she can help it, so she just draws people in. Do we know, do we know what caused Mickey and Cosway to drift apart? I don't think it's, we have an explicit, like, here's the reason. I mean, I got I was just wondering if we had, like, if it nah. had been covered in the show or not. Because I couldn't remember, I, like, I, I definitely get that feeling too, but I just couldn't remember maybe exactly what happened. But I guess they just haven't told us. I don't know if they will. Yeah, like, I, I'm not sure that it's one thing necessarily so much as is like, they got older and sort of, like as as they became like Mickey, Mickey become like getting older, you kind of like want to become your own person, and you get a little more distant from like your siblings. Not necessarily you get super distant, but you sort of like, especially if you grew up together, basically, yeah, or really close together, you kind of start going in slightly different directions because you're trying to establish yourself. And sometimes that can have there can be friction there because you know, like it can feel a little bit like you're not like, hey, you're not really interested in me anymore. Like, what did I do wrong? And you didn't do anything wrong. It's just, you know, someone trying to become their own person as they grow up. Yeah, I kind of remember from the episode where they introduced Kozaway about how, like, Miki continued to learn and play piano, but Kozaway just decided that she didn't want to anymore at some point. Oh, wait, I think I do know why that happened, but I don't remember if it has happened in the show yet. Ooh. I don't think so. I don't even remember. I feel like I just read it somewhere. I don't even remember if it actually is said in the show. Do we want to talk about that? Do you want me to... It's not like a it's not like a huge spoiler type thing. It's just sort of since we're talking about Cozaway, like Yes. Okay, so I don't remember where I saw this. I feel like I read it somewhere. I don't remember it being in an episode necessarily, but I feel like there was something about them having a piano teacher, a music teacher that like was getting a little uncomfortably close with Mickey, especially. Yeah, we, that's that Okay, I can't remember if that was in the episode. And Except so, that at the time, I wasn't 100% sure how much of that was like actually real and how much of it was like, her interpretation of it. I mean, that's a fair point. Like, yeah, it's like, entirely possible that Cozaway is an unreliable narrator in that situation in describing that scenario because we, you know, they don't really show us exactly what happened. We just sort of hear her side of it. And she got jealous of the music teacher, and that was why she stopped learning piano. And I guess we could say that would be one of the main things that kind of probably caused them to drift apart mm-hmm. was, I don't know, like knowing Kozaway, I could see her seeing Miki choosing to continue music lessons with this teacher that she didn't like as like siding against her in a way. And that could make her. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, no, I think that's reasonable actually. Yeah. But yeah. So I lost my train of thought. I had it and it was, then it was gone. I know. I know mine is because I just got back from school, but I have no excuse. No excuse. Oh. Okay, I feel like I feel like we have to talk about the elephant in the room. 
Okay. Holy shit, that got really gay really fast. Yeah, that scene in the car was something. Uh, I just... It was (laughs) very unexpected. I just didn't see that coming. And the question becomes, like, why was Anthe in the car? How did she get there? Well, well, okay, but before you... You, you can't ask why Anthony's in the car because like the real question is like why is the being and you're gonna like you're gonna get sucked into a black hole of asking questions. I mean like there's like a I feel like there are reasonable expectations to have of different aspects of the dueling arena and what's going on and normally in a duel Anthe sort of just like stands in the background and doesn't really do anything so for her to show up in the car for her to move from her location out like outside of the main dueling area to being like sort of participating in it in a way is not something that I think has happened before aside from like her maybe occasionally like I don't know like interrupting but usually yeah, she's still, interrupted like, a couple of times usually she's it. still she's either back behind Utena or and she stays there or she like comes from that position into the main dueling area but this time she just showed up in the car and there was no explanation for it. Like, I don't know, like And then they like made out. Yeah, and then they made out. And or really it was more like Kosue made out with her. Well, yeah. I mean we didn't really see anything because like we just see Anthe lower her chair back and then lower it back more and then Kosue like get on top of her. <laughs> it was just which is a super dick move. Yeah, that is actually. That must have been incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, just like... Please tell me that you also, like, your first thought was, wow, that's really uncomfortable. And your second thought was like, wow, that's really gay. But my first was, wow, that must be really uncomfortable. No, my first thought was, is this going where I think it's going? Because, like, I didn't think that Kozue was actually going to get on top of her. Like, I saw her, like, like when she, like, got all close and she was like, they say whoever is engaged to you has great power or whatever the fuck Cozway says. And I was like, yeah, she's definitely trying to, like, lay on the seduction here. But, man, yeah. Do we get anything else like that? I mean, I didn't remember this, so who the hell knows? I mean, I was kind of, ex- I was I was never, expe- I was really expecting it to get, like, that, like, really obvious. I was thinking it was going to be more like doing what every other show does. And, like, they just, like, tease around the edges of it. Utena, the-, the, the show Revolutionary Girl Utena vacillates between incredibly subtle and nowhere near subtle it doesn't really there's no middle slider here oh so like wait was it this episode or last episode that we had the um the scene that you so eloquently commented on regarding akio and um what's it called um togo you mean how they fucking (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that was in the previous episode that wasn't in this episode but okay because like it has been established that two in a row they fucking Something incredibly gay happens two two episodes in a row. Yeah, sensing a new trend. Yeah, when you thought the show couldn't get gayer, suddenly cranked it up to eleven, and then the movie like off the chart, like like 
like way more gay. I am pretty excited to see the movie. The movie is going to be really interesting this time around because I've definitely paid more attention to the series this time. And through talking about it, there have been things that I noticed this time around that I definitely did not notice at all the first time. And the movie is sort of a symbolic reinterpretation of the plot of the series. Oh, that sounds promising. And it's so it's re it it ramps up the like the imagery and the like otherworldliness of Otori like way up past what the show was. Okay, that also sounds promising. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the movie because on the one hand, it is nigh incomprehensible on the other hand that's a good thing there are a lot of really cool things that happen in it on the other other hand because i have three hands there's no naname naname is only wait you have three hands (laughs) yeah i have a secret third hand how did you how did you do this that's not the it's not the are you a wizard are you implying that wizards typically have three hands i don't know maybe maybe naname would know but you got rid of her i didn't get rid of her Ikahara did entirely she's in the movie but only in like one scene like it's just like a quick reference to one of our wacky naname episodes and then like she's not in the rest of the movie at all it's during like an like the Aiko and Biko portion, I think, even. I don't even think it's in like the movie proper. I'm really excited to see the movie. I just I, I wanna see it. I'm I'm really excited for it to get to that point. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it's it's gonna be a trip. Alright. Was there anything else that we did we're not able to I'm trying to think. I can't necessarily think of a, of anything that we kinda missed out on. Yeah, no, like I think that covers it. At least for like stuff that we wanted to talk more about. Yeah. I'm going to look up the episode summary real quick and see if there's anything that we missed. Uh, I'm also excited because the next one is the anime episode that you've been telling me that I that you're excited about me seeing. I wish you could see the smile on my face right now because I'm so excited about this episode. <laughs> it has one of my favorite lines in like the whole show. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah. It's another wacky non-anime episode in the absolute best way. Because I'm just like, you've really hyped it up. So if it's not good, like, I'm going to be disappointed. I have. You have? I looked up. I was trying to find the plot summary for this episode so I can make sure that there wasn't anything that we missed. And I found uh, from a Tumblr where somebody was doing recaps of the episodes I found the person put in their post for this episode mm-hmm. a like a I guess a scanned version of an original cell for one of the Ooh. scenes and it's not just that the fact that it is a cell but I'm going to send this to you so that you can look at it. Okay, let's click this. This is apparently from the new credits huh. or would have been in the new credits. Oh, I'll be. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so... Also, this post is really great. Yeah, I'm looking at the post so that I can make sure we didn't miss anything. I'm looking at a post on uh, ladyloveandjustice.tumblr.com. Ladyloveandjustice, if you happen to listen, which I doubt that you do since you've already done your own Utena recap. Hello, thank you for your resource. Also, I really love the fact that you have a picture here that says... 
that um, has a picture of Kozue with one of her, like, the top button undone. So it says, it's not a party unless Mickey exposes himself. Oh, my God. What? Hold on. Where is that? <laughs> it's down the page. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, yeah. Oh, they've got a bunch of, uh, it's like text from last night overlaid on top of stills from the episode. That's cool. I'm That's sorry, but there's another one. I just have to, I, listeners, I just have to tell you that there's another one, and it's the scene with, like, them slowly descending into the car and says, it's official. My little sister has hooked up with more girls than I have. <laughs> yeah, I literally was just looking at that. <laughs> Oh lord, this is really good. I'm definitely gonna follow this person. Well, I think Thank there's you. a I think there's a blog that <clears throat> does these like text from last night Utana mashup pictures, but I don't remember what it's called. I'm sure I've reblogged from it before. I guess the only thing I can think of to really talk about so far is that um I kinda hope that there is at least one more episode with Kozue and Mickey after this because I do kind of like I do kind of like the, the them as a sort of continuing meditation on innocence. I really love Kozue in that bride dress because she looks great and also it's just fun to see someone else in a bride dress kind of. I don't remember if we see other characters do that at any point, but I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Wait, hold on. Okay, so what do we think about that part at the end where Mickey's putting up the birdhouse and Kozue calls him a coward and walks off? Okay, I have an idea. Yeah? If we see this, and, and, and reading through this ep- this this post, by the way, has really liked he was right. Because they're also seeing a little bit of this, something I was seeing. Yeah, did you read that last line of the post? Because it is really good. The last two lines. If I think about Kozaway and Mickey episodes so far have been about innocence and the lack thereof. And or rather sort of, Mickey's innocence and Kozaway's lack thereof. And it seems like Kozaway would like to be forthright, but her problem is Mickey keeps existing in proximity. Um and I feel at the end what has happened is that if we look at the whole thing and we try to think of it like workly Kozaway is trying to break, and you're going to kill me for using this, but break Mickey's shell. She's I trying, knew you were going to say that. There you go. There you go, people. Um, she, I feel like this ev- this episode is about her trying to jumpstart Mickey into another circle of experience. Using Anthe as kind of that springboard, and it fails. And it fails because he can't focus on what he's supposed to focus on. He loses, at least in part, because he's distracted by his sister. Well, I mean, she does distract him on purpose. She does, except does she? Like, is that the point? Is the point that he is supposed to be able... Like, is she trying... I can see it two ways. Was she trying to bind him closer to her? Or was she trying to separate them so that their relationship, which she desperately wants to exist in one way or another, can exist in a more free way? Like... We had the Sunlight Garden, which is their shining memory, is gone. Is she trying to, like, fix the garden, or is she trying to make a new one? And if she's trying to make a new one, then ultimately it fails. It fails either way, but it ultimately fails because Mickey is not able to go beyond what he knows. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna just quote from this Lady Love and Justice post 
uh, because I feel like they put it really well. And I feel like if I were about to say what I was thinking, that I would just be rephrasing what it was that they said. So I'm going to instead attribute it to them. Uh, Kozue may have said she wanted Miki to get Anthe, but of course she didn't mean it. What she wants is Miki to make a home with her, to gain the power to revolutionize the world so that they can go back to the sunlit garden and their innocence together, so that they can live for each other and have no need for adults. She's testing Miki. What's more important to him? Gaining the power to fix their lives or keeping Anthe? Miki is still fixated on Anthe as his dream girl, mm. so he loses and he fails Kozue's test. And then at the very end of this post, Lady Love and Justice says... In the end, Mickey's made his own nest, but he's in it alone. Kozue couldn't make a home with him, so she walks away, leaving for the world of adulthood while Mickey remains a child. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think this person's right in that this was all an attempt to pull, like, everything about the car scene is an attempt to pull Mickey from the world he inhabits into a different one, and it doesn't work. Yeah, it's interesting because did we talk, I don't remember if we've talked in previous episodes about how I felt, I feel like I understand the cracking the world shell thing now. Have we? Do you remember? We've talked about it at least once before, haven't we? I mean, yeah, sure. We've talked about it, but I couldn't remember if we talked about me under, like feeling like I understood it now because we've mostly talked about Mm -hmm. how it doesn't make any damn sense, but I think it might actually. I mean, I get it. Well, we, I, I've okay. talked about how it's okay. I've talked about how it's kind of very similar to a. I think it's Damien. Yeah, we talked not, about that in literally yeah. like the first episode. And if you look, if you think about it very literally, then it is very literally. If a chick doesn't break out of the egg, it dies. Well, yeah. And we kind of keep going with that. If you don't change, then you quote unquote die. You become less than you should be or can be. Well, I'm thinking about it more like like. In a lot of ways, the shell is the shell is what's keeping the people in Otori. Like it seems like everybody's trying to chase after something from their past. Everybody's clinging to something from the past, mm-hmm. and they have to break out of that shell in order to be able to move on. And it's interesting that Kozue is trying to break Mickey out of his shell so that he can grow up, but also forge a life with her, whatever that means. But at the same time, it involves her clinging to the past because that's what she wants. She wants to go back to the past. She wants to go back to the Sunlit Garden where they were together and, like, they didn't have to rely on any adults. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know. It feels like there's just sort of an interesting sort of, like, not a parallel, but it's interesting that, like, the whole theme of the show seems to be about breaking free from the past so that you can move on. But Kozaway is trying to break his shell by bringing him back, kind of. Which might be why it doesn't really work. Yeah, it's sort of a, a second past, a second childhood. But yeah, it's yeah, they're trying to have a work. second child. I mean, it also basically. doesn't work because it's like she's making out with Anthony in a car that's magical. Um, uh, I don't see why that wouldn't work. I mean, that's inherently distracting, to be fair to him. I mean, the car yeah, alone I was is pretty inherently distracting. distracting. I mean, that that's pretty distracting. Like, we have to give him some credit. <laughs> like, even if it wasn't the two of them, like, 
it's a car. It's magical. It is It is doing things cars are not supposed to do. It is inherently kind of distracting. Well, he wasn't distracted previously when the car was just zooming around with Cosway in it. Yeah, but he was also sort of like weirdly like brainwashed feeling. But why does Anthony show up in the car? Because Akio wants him to lose. Actually, um, I, I feel like it's because... Um, I feel like she chose to do that, knowing that Koz would also. I, I feel basically knowing that Kozaway would would do what she did. Hmm. But I have to speculate. Um, yeah. Whether for what purpose, I don't know. But I feel like that was very intentional. For as for as difficult a time as Anthe has with social cues, she seems to be able to get a pretty good read on people, even if she doesn't like. express that outwardly. Like, the way that she acts and the way that she interacts with other people demonstrates a great depth of attention paid to people and the way that they behave and the way that they think. Like, would you agree? Yeah, I feel like Anthea is not great at talking, but she's very good at finding, understanding how people tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. She is very good at finding out what makes people tick. This is going to sound kind of mean, but I feel like Anthea is better at taking people apart than she is at actually looking at them. Yeah, but... Kind of like that kid who learns how to, like, is really... She she reminds me of a kid who is really great at, like, taking clocks apart and can take one apart in seconds and put it back together, but, like, has trouble reading the clock. Because hmm. it's an old analog, right? And that is a pretty good analogy because she does that to like the the girl who disappears that um was akio's like quote unquote fiance or whatever yeah like with that with her like she gets under that woman's skin so fast yeah that's what i was thinking about when i was thinking about even though she can't really or she has she seems to have difficulty communicating and navigating social situations she's very good at like cutting to the heart of people um and and i feel like i don't know that 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 sort of i can't really talk to you but i can make you feel bad about yourself like that feels like it's hard not to read that now in in terms of her of survival instinct after Akio. Yeah, yeah. People in abusive, uh, people who survive abusive situations are often pretty observant because in order to navigate living in a situation with someone who at any moment could decide that they want to hurt you, you have to be able to pick up on all the little signs, all the little indicators. And I think that that has made it to where Anthe just sort of does that for everybody. Yeah. Whether for no, for good or for ill. Often no, it yeah, seems for that. ill. And it's it's understandable. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Everything about Anthe is sad. Everything. Do we have anything else? I really don't think we do. I feel like we've talked this to death. This is officially longer than the original episode. Good. Alright. I'm glad. <laughs> If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Uzanacast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Mpandanata. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Alice? You can follow me at Twitter at Liarwolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F, but only if you're worthy. If you want to follow us on Tumblr, you can do that at imagineandutana.tumblr.com. I was going through and adding a bunch of posts in the queue, so 
Hopefully there will be more content coming out of that soon. And if you want to email us, you can do that at imagineandutina at gmail.com. Well, I guess that officially does us for this week. Revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later.